Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so let me start with my little whip around. It didn't end exactly well for the dude. It ended horribly. However, I do have to give the Coog Hunter this much. The Coog Hunter, Zach Wilson, played the game of his life last night. Honestly. In fact, I'd go as far as to say he actually played his ass off. I said it on Friday, and I'll own it. I did say on Friday during our Big Head Bet segment, it was a matchup between the best quarterback in the world and the worst quarterback in the world. And the absolute last thing that I expected was for those two dudes to basically switch bodies last night. It was almost like Zach Wilson somehow infected Patrick Mahomes. Like he attained the CH. Mahomes? Somehow attained the CH. I mean, for a lot of the game, the best quarterback in the world looked like the worst quarterback in the world, and the worst quarterback in the world looked pretty damn good. At least until he dropped a snap for no reason and blew the game. It's almost like he remembered, oh, I'm the Coog Hunter. Still, despite that fact, I half expected the Coog Hunter to walk off the field last night go stare into the first camera he could find and yell, I'd like to know where Joe Namath is right about now. What he said about our team, I cannot believe. What he said about me, well, it was disgusting. What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. Where is Joe Namath? What he said about our team, what he said about me, yeah, yeah. It'll be me, me against the world, me against Joe Namath. Except that to the Coog Hunter's credit, he was not walking around with his chest puffed out after the game, scanning the crowd for hot moms to pass his digits to. No, in fact, he did actually the opposite. My dude took that L hard, and he also put the L on himself. You see, he did what all QB1s are supposed to do completely own it all and not point the finger at anybody else other than himself. And you know what? That's exactly what he did. Yeah, that's on me. I, you know, critical situation. I can't I can't have a play like that. I cannot drop the ball. You know, and this team is sacrificing a lot. You know, guys were making plays. Defense was making plays. O-line was protecting. Um, the receivers were making plays. And to be driving right there and to, to drop a snap, you know, I cannot do that. You know, I lost us that game, and I cannot do that. And I was making it clear to those guys that I need to be better. I need to be better on the little things, the details. The hunter is all grown up. That was some actual maturity and leadership. I like that. I like that a lot from him. Everything he said there was pretty much dead on. And you know what? It sounded like he meant it. It sounded like he meant it. It was dead on, and it sounded a hell of a lot better than, hey, come on, guys. It's windy as hell out there, guys. guys. So I don't really know what was more surprising, that Zach Wilson looked like a real quarterback during that game or that he acted like a real quarterback after the game. But I do know this. He did not lose the Jets that game. If anything, he was the reason the Jets had a prayer in that game. But I can't deny that that fumbled snap was a backbreaker. 
Well, at least it was after KC got done grinding away the rest of the game with an excruciating seven-and-a-half-minute drive that nearly made Bob Sala's perfectly smooth dome blow right off his shoulders. Yes, the Zebras got a little kooky at the end of that game. No, they were not fixing it because Taylor Swift was there. Even if the ex was busy after the game, trying to convince themselves that that's what happened. Not everything is a conspiracy, weirdos. Except maybe that thing about the two of them being together. Listen, football fans, it might have been intriguing for the first 30 seconds or a minute, but how many football fans nationwide are utterly sick of that whole thing right now? Like, no more Taylor Swift. We get it, all right? They're back. They're shooting the box. She's reacting. Every graphic. The talking heads breathlessly going on and on and on. I mean, come on. Enough is enough, right? Other than that conspiracy theory. You know, the fact that maybe that's a business merger instead of them being an item. I think I do speak for everybody on the planet. It was fun for like 30 seconds. Enough already, though, about all of that. And by the way, if that weren't freaking annoying enough, how do you think everybody felt who took the Chiefs, laid the points, and then saw Mahomes go all Lou Brock into second base at the goal line? That slide might as well have been a flying jump kick to the stick of anybody who bet the Chiefs and laid the points. Listen, I get it. I'm not saying the Chiefs give a damn about your fantasy team. I'm not saying the Chiefs give a damn about your action on the game. I'm not saying they should. All they care about is the scoreboard. They did their job. They got by. They got over. I get it. That said, if the best player in the world takes three more steps, walks it into the end zone, he's not showing anybody up. He's not pouring any salt into their wounds. He's not putting his team at risk because there's no way the Jets were going to come back from 10 down. What he's doing is not finishing the play. It seems to me somewhere along the way, somebody just decided that that's the right move in that situation. And then the talking heads started puking all over themselves, screaming about how incredibly heady it is for that player to do that thing. And then suddenly now, it's a thing. Trust me, there are so many people so pissed that Pat got down the way he did. I mean, got down on the ground. I get it. I get it's their job to win the game, not win our bets. I want to repeat that. I understand that it's their job to win the game and not win our bets or win our fantasy leagues. But I'm also here to tell you, this gambling game is hard enough, dog, without that happening. That rapping game is hard, dog. That gambling game is hard, dog. Trust me, sticks were snapped nationwide when pat slid kicks to the sticks sticks obliterated so that said pretty good game pretty painful for a jets fan and jeff and chiefs better but if you want to talk segue if you want to talk real pain you should go find the hood man right about now 
because Bill Belichick and the Pats are on all fours still. On all fours, picking their chicklets out of the turf after getting their faces caved in by Dallas. The hood has never been smacked around like that before. A 35-point loss. The single biggest loss of the Mumbler's career. And it had to be the worst game of Mac Jones' career, right? Dude got yanked with more than three minutes left in the third quarter, and he'd already thrown a pick six, had thrown another horrible backpedaling pick, and he fumbled it for a return TD. All of that. But hey, at least, at least, nobody accused Mac of grabbing at their junk this week. So I guess that's a dub for Mac. Hey, but whatever you do, don't call that benching that happened in the third quarter a benching. Because Hoodman says that's not a benching. Hoodman did not bench Mac Jones, okay? He just benched Mac Jones. So what led to the decision um, to take Mac out with 341 remaining in the third quarter? Yeah, I think it was any point leaving him in the game. Next week against the Saints. Yeah, just so there's no point leaving him in the game, Mike. In, the, in that sense, I mean, do you think consider taking like no. Judon out on the other side, or you know, like at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I mean, you gotta put somebody out there. Got to put somebody out there. Benched for bad performance, no. or was he pulled because? No, I said there was no point leaving him out there, so I took him out. Uh, my, my favorite new super aggressive, I want to say passive aggressive, but it's not even passive. It's aggressive is when coaches start referring to reporters by their first name, like they're acknowledging them, but they're acknowledging them not as a show of respect, but like, hey, Mike, in other words, like, shut your mouth, Mike. Yeah, I just said there's no point leaving him in the game. Mike, Pete. Yeah, I just said there's no point leaving him in the game, Mike. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. Since when has that guy ever addressed a reporter by name? Only when he's exceptionally pissed. Only when he lost by five touchdowns. You should have just gone full government on him. Gotta love his enthusiasm. Gotta love the Hoodman's energy and enthusiasm for the team and the quarterback he handpicked. But, 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 but. Mac is not benched, all right? According to Hood, he will continue as the team starter. Not that anybody expected anything different moving forward. And it's not really on Mac completely, right? The offense is horrendous, and that's nothing new. It was horrendous when the Hood entrusted Matt the Ticonderoga, Patricia, 
and Joseph, the leader of men, to run it. And it's been horrendous since the Bob, Bill O'Brien, was brought in to fix it. What I'm saying is maybe... uh, It's irrevocably broken. Have you thought about that? You know why? Because it's been irrevocably broken since Bacon 46 walked out that door. Obviously. But half fam. There is no doubt. Yesterday was the low point for the post-Bacon era, Patriots. A real low point for the hood man. A low point for the hood man, but you know what? A high point for the Jera. You know, Jarrah was walking around that state-of-the-art stadium, looking around for a camera and some microphones after that beatdown. Never mind that the old guy was nowhere to be found after that debacle in the desert. Like, I don't know if he left half his face in Tempe and the other half of his face in Scottsdale. I, I don't know what he did. I just know that initially he was nowhere to be found after that beatdown. However, after humiliating the hood... You bet your ass he found a gaggle. He found himself a gaggle, and he found the perfect word to describe that big dub. Surreal, and of course, uh, 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 it's what it is when you look at uh, how well they have competed all these years. And uh, so, again, that's, uh, that, that is the case. We had all the respect in the world for him. Couldn't, uh, uh, couldn't have pictured uh, being able to... Uh, uh, have the score like this, but uh, uh, again, uh, uh, it's kind of uh, 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 it's kind of inspiring. Is there anybody anywhere, much less somebody that old, who loves the sound of their own voice as much as he does? Surreal. Surreal. He's right. It was surreal, and I'll tell surreal. you why it was surreal. You know why it was surreal? It was surreal watching the alleged greatest head coach in the history of the sport get absolutely worked by Big Mike. That was what was surreal. Surreal. Surreal is also exactly what I think every time I hear you speak, Jarrah. Surreal. Surreal. Surreal that you take as much time as you do to say as little as you do. That's what's surreal. Surreal. Surreal that you're still in charge of this football team. Surreal that this old man's football team is 35 points better than Hoodman's football team. Oh, how the Hoodman has fallen. Hoodman has fallen and he cannot get up. But if you want to talk about surreal, surreal, we got to talk about the Super Bowl of ass. Nothing ever lives up to the hype, or in this case, down to the hype. Except the Super Bowl of ass. That did. Bears-Broncos truly did live down to the billing. And I don't even know what the ugliest part was. I mean, how horrendous was it that the Broncos somehow trailed by three touchdowns in this game? And then it was just as horrendous that Chicago managed to take a giant dump in their pants. An explosive dump in their pants. And blow that game. Then again, I guess it really would not have been the Super Bowl of ass if it didn't involve somebody blowing out a giant dump in their pants. I mean, I don't know what was more wild. How about the part that both quarterbacks actually played well? For all the ass featured in the Super Bowl of ass, 
the quarterbacks were actually really solid. That might have been Justin Fields' best game as a pro. Not that that's saying a hell of a lot, but probably was. You can't blame Fields, and you can't blame Russett, which is why if you're going to blame somebody this morning, you can go ahead and start with Matt Eberflus. What a brutal morning he's having because you can definitely put it on him. You know, all of Chicago is. And if you bet Eberflus to be the first coach fired this season, you might just cash that ticket. This dude's defense got shredded in the second half. And then he did not trust that same defense to defend a lead, so he went for it on fourth and one at the Denver 18 in a tie game with 2.52 left. He could have had the lead. He could have put the pressure on Cringerous and the Broncos, but instead he tried to go for it and the rest is history, which is why we could be saying the status of the Bears coach might be exactly the same pretty soon. History. This dude's now 3-18. and 3-18, and 18, and after yesterday, it's hard to imagine where the hell he is ever going to find another win. I mean, forget success leading the Bears. This guy can't even answer simple questions about his own players. Check out this utterly bizarre exchange with reporters after the game concerning Chase Claypool, who was not only a healthy scratch, but he wasn't even at the stadium for the game. Hey, Eves, the hell is that? We declare actives or inactives based on that. And uh, this week, Claypool was inactive. Was he not was here today? Um, he was not here. Did you guys tell him to stay home? No. Is he that chose to stay home? No. He, he chose, what are you asking? Why was he not at the stadium today, like the other inactive players? I'm not sure. So it was his choice? We, 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 are, we told him that it was a choice, and he's, he's at home right now. Was he aware that he was going to be inactive before he talked to the media on Friday? Man, there's blood in the water, isn't there? Inactive before he talked to the media on Friday, or did his comments play a role? No, we always make inactives before the game. So was did his comments Friday about being upset with how he was being used factor into the decision to make him inactive? It did not. Hey, bro, at that point, not even at that point, in the middle of that, you should have just screamed out, next question, next question. Alvin, you should have hit him with a buzzer after every one of the lies he told. Can you imagine that? We declare actives or inactives based on that. And uh, this week, Claypool was inactive. Was he not here today? Um, he was not here. Did you guys tell him to stay home? No. He chose to stay home. No. Ah! I mean, that thing would be one buzzer after another. Have you ever heard a more beleaguered, more bewildered coach? And the media just rushing up on him. Sensing the blood in the water. If you're confused, you're not the only one. Because they are too. The Bears. Because they then turned around and tried to tell us after the fact that Claypool was told not to show. And that he didn't have a choice. Even though the head coach you just heard say that he did. So which one is it? I'm not sure. Did you tell him to stay home? Did he choose to stay home or did you tell him to stay home? I'm not sure. You're not sure. You're the head coach. You don't know whether or not a player, a starting player, was told to stay home or just stayed home. I'm going to ask you one more time, Eves. Did you tell him to stay home? And he's, he's at home right now. Did you tell him to stay home? 
I'm not sure. You're not sure. Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure how much longer you're going to have that job, brother. He chose, what are you asking? What do you mean, what am I asking? What do you mean, what are they asking? These are very simple questions. Did he stay home on his own, or did you tell him to stay home? I'm not sure. You're not sure. Do you understand the question? And he's, he's at home right now. Right. Whose choice? It did not. Anyway, pretty soon you might be at home, and then we'll be asking, were you told to stay home, or did you just stay home? Because clearly, dude, you've got no idea what the hell you're doing. You know, like, Eves, don't come around here anymore. And no, you do not have a choice. Hey, Bears fans, not that I'm saying anything you didn't already know. You got problems. Lots of problems. Chase Claypool is a problem. Justin Fields is a problem. But there is so much more than that. Hate to say it, but losing is now in their DNA. It's in their bones. It's who they are. It's what they do. And what they do is choke away three touchdown leads in the Super Bowl of ass. And firing one guy or benching another guy is not going to fix that. The reason you just choked away the Super Bowl of ass is because you are the worst team in the NFL, and it's not even close. What's that? Listen to this guy. Does that sound like somebody who's got things under control? I'm not sure. So it's his choice. We, 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 are, we told him that it was a choice, and he's, he's I don't know that I could be any more clear about what I'm about to say than what I'm about to say. You are the worst team in the NFL, and it's not even close. I'm not sure. This, this, oh, I'm sure. I'm no. sure, Eves. This function does not begin to do this justice. He chose to stay. No, he, he chose. What are you asking? What are you asking? Uh, that, that's the biggest meltdown I've heard. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Make sure to use the code 50Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Mike Jones is back. Mike, good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well, Jim. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for the visit. All right, so Mike, seven days after the Dolphins dropped 70 on Denver, Buffalo erupts for 48 on them, and they were extremely impressive in that beatdown of Miami. How big of a statement in your mind did the Bills make on both sides of the ball in yesterday's enormous divisional win? 
Um, I think it was a good statement for them. I think that they eased some of those concerns. Remember the first week of the season, uh, we were looking and, you know, you're wondering, okay, is Josh Allen going to be able to find the balance that he needs to between trying to do too much because all of his turnover issues. Uh, but we saw yesterday against a very good defense, he seemed like he had the perfect balance. Um, their defense was making plays. They were really getting after the Dolphins. Their offense was clicking. So I do think that that was a big statement for the Bills that, okay, yeah, the Dolphins are a very talented team. Okay, I don't think they're quite as good as what they looked last week against Denver just because Denver is a mess. Uh, but uh, to do what they did against a good defense and an explosive offense was definitely big for the Bills. And I think that they have reestablished it or I guess affirmed in everyone's minds that, okay, they are going to be as good as what we thought they could be. They should be contenders for the Super Bowl this year. I agree. Big statement. I thought Mike Jones joining us. All right, Mike, let me move on to Philadelphia. I'm sure they will tell you that they don't really care how it looks. 4-0 is 4-0, but in your opinion, how much does Philadelphia have to clean up after that win over the Commanders? They've got a good amount to clean up, especially when you look at some of the penalties they had that were just things that was sloppy, a lack of focus, lack of discipline that really helped the commanders. I mean, even just them as simple. And A.J. Brown said, you know, I've got to be better. He had the unsportsmanlike or the taunting penalty where he set the ball down um, at uh, Forbes right after scoring. And that gave the commanders 15 yards on the uh, kick return and then put them in position for a short field. Um, different things like that, that where they had a little offsides penalty on their trademark tush-push uh, quarterback sneak that normally is unstoppable and they stop themselves. So if they get that stuff cleaned up, and I think that they can, um, they are going to be among the front runners in the NFC again. But I think that what they're learning right now is that, okay, we did it last year, kind of sneaking up on people. Now we have the targets on our backs and teams have a lot of film on us and they know what we like to do. And so now they're having to adjust, but they don't have the margin for error. They can't stop themselves. But when you look at what they're doing, they're often still generating 400 yards of offense back-to-back -back weeks now. Their defense wasn't quite as good uh, against the run as what we've seen in previous weeks, uh, but they still have a lot to like there. They just have to continue to develop, hone things, tighten things, become uh, more sound in some areas where they had to replace guys from free agency um, and, and departures like that. Right. Mike Jones joining us. Mike, what about last night's game? The Jets' defense, for instance, looked great. No surprise there. Zach Wilson, other than putting it on the ground at the worst possible time, actually played really well. If he can stay away from that catastrophic play and play to the standard that he did last night, are the Jets still conceivably, are they still potentially a playoff team, even a one and three? I think that a playoff team is a stretch. I think we're going to see kind of some peaks like that with uh, Zach Wilson, and then we're going to see some valleys uh, for a couple weeks, and then he'll be up and down. He's a young guy. As we've seen, he has the ability to make plays against a very good defense, but the consistency is the thing that separates great quarterbacks from just average quarterbacks there. Their defense, though, what they were able to do against Patrick Holmes, that's why they thought, okay, we get an Aaron Rodgers, and then we'll be okay. We should be able to make a run at the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's not going to happen there, but the defense will keep them in games, 
if, and that's the big if, Zach Wilson can take care of the football. And I just think that you can't really count on him to win shootouts with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herberts and Josh Allens um, on a consistent basis to be able to put you in position to make playoffs. All right, so Mike, one of the worst matchups ever actually lived down to all the expectations, at least if you're a Bears fan, already a train wreck. They came from ahead to choke against Denver, who had allowed 70 points the week before. They blew a 28-7 lead to the Broncos. Is that officially rock bottom for the Bears, or could it actually get even lower? I mean, it can get worse from the standpoint of not being able to score points, not being able to move the ball. Uh, They haven't lost by... Uh, 50 points like Denver did last week. So it can always get worse. It does seem like these cracks in the foundation, which was already shaky at best, are getting bigger. Uh, You know, to collapse like that when you have the opportunity um, is just kind of gut-wrenching. You saw some good things out of Justin Fields, and you thought, hey, this is what they've been hoping this guy can be. But then to give up the points and to, to turn the ball over and lose the way they did is one of those things that would Good teams can kind of shrug it off and bounce back from it. Bad teams like them, you wonder if that's just going to start a, a downward, a further downward spiral for them that they're not able to get out. All right, so, Mike, what about the Titans and Bengals? Joe Burrow still does not seem right, obviously. Cincinnati drops to 1-3. and three. We know they start slowly typically. We know they've bounced back. But is this different and would now be a good time for Bengals fan to actually panic? Yeah, I think that they probably, if they could have done it all over again, they probably would not have rushed Joe Burrow to start the season. Remember, you know, Jamar Chase said, I don't want him to play week one. I want him to play when he's ready. Turns out he was right. Joe Burrow not being right, not having the mobility, not being able to push off on that back leg um, is really reduced him. But another thing, I was talking to some other uh, scouts from other teams about, okay, what are you seeing with them? It's not just Joe Burrow. Their defense is totally different now that they don't have Bell and Bates at those safety positions because Bates cleaned up a lot. He was the eraser and Bell was the enforcer. And so their defense is just not the same. It's not getting the takeaways. It's not putting, putting the offense in position. Uh, for favorable uh, field position like we saw last year. And so they have a lot that's kind of wrong with them. And so I kind of do think that, hey, this is panic time because you don't know how is Joe Burrow going to get healthy if he's out there playing, but how are they going to win games if they don't have him out there? And you have to decide, okay, is a hampered Joe Burrow better than what we have, um, you know, a backup quarterback? I don't know, but they're just getting to the point where, uh, what did Yogi Berra say? It gets late early out here. (laughs) To that point, Mike, when you talk about a guy getting erased, would those same scouts also tell you the entire Patriots franchise has been erased? I mean, what a stunning beatdown that was. I mean, it was bad enough that Mac Jones got benched. Well, Belichick says he was not benched, but he was benched for Bailey Zappi. Does he look any better to you? under Bill O'Brien than he did under Matt the Ticonderoga Patricia and Joe the leader of men Joseph last week the hell is going on with the Patriots you know I thought we were going to see Matt Jones really take some steps forward now that he had an offensive mind a legit offensive mind and someone who knew him since college, knows his strengths and weaknesses, knows how to speak his language. We haven't seen that. But also what hurts Mac Jones and the Patriots is when you look across the board, everybody that I talk to says they don't have a lot of team speed. They don't have any dudes on that team. They always used to have a lot of talent, 
They made really smart moves in the draft and finding talent, free agency. And of course, they had number 12. But across the board, they don't have a lot of team speed. They don't have guys that can go out and make plays to make life easier for their quarterback. That can stop opposing offenses, get those takeaways, and help out with the short field, which would help a young quarterback. Because they don't have that, we're seeing the Patriots in a way that we haven't seen them before. And all this goes back to the guy who calls all the shots and acquires all the talent, Bill Belichick. And so he's got nobody to blame now. Matt Patricia's gone. Joe Judge, you know, it's not their faults that the offense looks bad. And the defense, he's the defensive guy. But they don't have the horses to work with now. And so we're seeing what looks like a, a continued uh, regression for the Patriots that we've seen the last couple of years. And it seems like it's getting worse. So Mike, one last thought. I've got about 90 seconds. Is Bob Kraft left to do nothing but seethe until Belichick gets Don Shula's record? I mean, there's no way he'd make a move on him before that, would he? Or would he? I don't think when you look at everything he's done for the franchise, he can't do it. He's just going to have to stomach it and deal with it unless you have a talk and Bill Belichick decides, okay, look, I'm going to hang this up, but I I don't see that happening. So I think that Kraft is stuck right here. I think you're exactly right. He is a national NFL, uh, NFL writer for The Athletic, and I mentioned his previous stops prior to that. Mike Jones joining us on this Monday and breaking it all down once again expertly. Mike, thank you very much. Great to have you on as always, and I appreciate the time. Hey, thanks for having me. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. Now, we talked already at length about the NFL weekend. I had Mike Jones on to get his thoughts, and now I've got more thoughts. And I want to single out a clone. I want to single out a clone who deserves a shout out today. And not just for me. This is a clone who deserves national recognition and not for being a clone. The fact that he is one of the most famous and successful clones of all time really has nothing to do with why he deserves that praise. I'm talking, of course, about Nick Casario and his legitimately exciting and legitimately competitive football team that he is building in Houston, the Texans took that jungle karma, and they ran with it. The karma from Nick's appearance last week. They took it, and they ran the hell right over the Steelers and then backed over them. A total beatdown and a total annihilation of Pittsburgh. And when you totally annihilate the Steelers, that's a really good sign. A sign that there's not just a bright future in Houston, but there is a bright present, especially if C.J. Stroud is going to keep balling the hell out like this. Stroud, check these stats. Stroud now has the second most yards passing in NFL history for a quarterback in his first four games. 
He's averaging better than 300 yards per. He still hasn't thrown a pick this season. And more than the numbers, he just looks great. I love the way this guy handles himself. He's comfortable. He's decisive. He's poised. He's making plays. He's making winning plays. He's leading from the front. The vets believe in him. He believes in himself. And while there are a lot of people with a lot of questions about him pre-draft, I was not one of them. I bought in the second I met him after watching him play throughout college. This is why I'm buying what D'Amico Ryans was selling, selling his team after the win yesterday. I buy this. Awesome job by you guys. This is what I envision, man, Texas football look like. Mm-hmm. I, it's dominating up front, mm-hmm. running the ball how we want to run yep. the ball. Mm. D-line attacking, dominating the line of scrimmage, yep. swarming defense, explosive yep. offense, and everybody excited about playing football. Yes, sir. Love that. All right, that's what it feel like. Yeah. Keep it there. I right, yep. keep it there. We got everybody got better this week, man. Yes, and this is what our team can be. Right? Yep. We got greatness in this room. Yes, Let's keep growing. It's a lot of energy, and understandably so. It's a hell of a vision for the Houston Texans football team. And when was the last time we've really been able to talk about things like that when we talk about the Texans? Things like the future is bright. Things like that's a hell of a vision. Things like you've got yourself a franchise QB1. Yeah. Things like there's greatness in this room. When was the last time you heard the energy like that out of that room? When was the last time you could be legitimately excited about Texans football? H-Town. It's time. It's time to get excited. H-Town, I don't know. What's the phrase I'm looking for? It's 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 on the tip of my tongue. You love to see it. <laughs> love to see it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Love to see it. And Nick Casario, love to see it, man. Love to see it. So far, so good. I know you'll tell me the work is not done. I know it's not. So far, so good. Love to see it. Another love really nice effort. Love it. Love Absolutely it, Nick. love you, Romy. Love it, Nick. Absolutely love you, Nick. Absolutely love you, Romy. Love you, Nick. So good. Love to see it. Speaking of love to see it, speaking of Jim Irsay, his rookie QB came back from a concussion. Had a pretty solid game yesterday. Well, you know, as young quarterbacks go, up and down, up and down, but a solid second half. Anthony Richardson. And the Colts somehow came back from 20 points down at halftime and 23 points down midway through a third to force OT. Pretty incredible in and of itself. The Colts have to think that they're way ahead of schedule, especially being this competitive without Jonathan Taylor. But nobody is more ahead of schedule than the best story of the first month of the season individually. And that story just got better yesterday. If you don't know the name, And it's way past time to learn that name. And by the way, how can you not know the name? How can you not know the name when it's one of the best names ever? And how can you not know the name when this guy is bawling out the way he is? Of course, I'm talking about my dude, Puka Nakua. Stafford ready, calls for the snap. Here comes the rush. He throws right side, alone. It's Puka at the five, to the end zone. A walk-off winner! Puka Nakua in overtime! 22 yards to get the Rams to 2-2. Two and two. I would say that Puka could go with one of those one-name guys. He could be like Puka. But then you'd be cheating him of the great name. Puka, Puka Nakua. Nakua. Either way, this dude's been incredible. 
Again, he's got the most receptions and most yardage of any receiver ever through his first four games. But way more impressive than that, he's outpacing the two greatest receiving seasons in the history of the Shield right now. He's on a better yardage pace than Cooper Cup in 2021 or my guy Megatron back in 2012. This dude essentially just went from a fifth-round pick to a day-one superstar in the NFL. And how about those Rams? The rebuilding Rams. Dangerous still. They're 2-2. Two and two. That gets them a 2-2. Two and two. And the same goes for the Chargers. I am dangerous. Even if the Chargers did everything they could to charger away yet another game. I mean, can you believe that it almost happened again? I mean, I guess the shock is when it's not happening. Look, I've said this time and time again. I really like Brandon Staley, the dude. You've heard him on this show many times. He always shows up well every single time. But I can't sit here and deny that his team has to beat their opponent and their own head coach every week now, seemingly. It was utterly miraculous that they escaped Minneapolis with a win last week after one of the most bizarre fourth down decisions ever. So, of course, the Chargers had to run it all back and try to give away that game again yesterday. Last week, they went for it up four on their own 24. This time, they went for it up seven on their own 34. And was there any doubt what was going to happen? When they did that. Because when you make a terrible mistake, everybody knows that the best way to fix it is by doing the same thing again. Everybody knows the definition of improvement is doing the same exact thing over and over and over and over again with the same exact result over and over and over again. Fourth and one. Herbert shoved. No, I don't think he got it. He did not. The Raiders hold. The Raider defense holds. They'll take over inside the 35. You imagine if the D does not bail him out again. It wasn't even Jimmy G that was going to finish that game. I mean, luckily for Staley, his defense did bail him out. This time on the goal line for the second straight week, his defense saved his ass and maybe even his job. But I guess it wouldn't be a Chargers game if they did not try to give that game away at least once. I mean, that is an incredible thing to see. Talk about survive and advance. That is the very epitome of survive and advance. And it keeps happening over and over and over again. A defense has got to be like, are you kidding me? How many times are you going to put us in this position? How many times do we have to save your ass? Over and over and over and over. And over. Now, Mafia, Mafia, I know you think that I'm burying the lead today. Fair. Fair. Maybe I am. You're not wrong. I can live with that. Because that was a massive win. That was a massive win in Buffalo yesterday. Not only did the Bills beat the hell out of the Dolphins, fresh off making a 70-point historic statement last week, Buffalo just won a blowout for the third straight week. We all saw them melt down against the Cougar Hunter in week one. 
And we wondered, like, hey, you know what? Is their window already slammed shut? Is Josh Allen never going to figure it out? Yeah, but since then, this clearly is not the same team. They have been dominant every single week since then. In fact, I'm going to argue they might be not only in the hunt or in the conversation, they might be the ones to beat right now. They've now run off three straight dubs by at least four touchdowns. And don't look now, but Buffalo has the best scoring differential in the NFL through four games. Don't look now, but they've given up the fewest points in the AFC through four games. That's what I mean when I say they made a major statement on both sides of the ball. Forget the AFC East. We might be looking at the front runner to get to Vegas to finally break on through. It could have been a changing of the guard moment at Orchard Park yesterday. Miami was the most dangerous team, the hottest team in the league coming in. That could have been an official changing of the guard, but it wasn't. The Bills humiliated them. They still own them. Now, Miami's still dangerous, but this is still the Bills' division. Until the Dolphins rip it from their cold, dead hands, it still runs through Buffalo. Scoreboard, look up at it, Miami. Actually, Miami, don't. Don't look up at it. Look down in the toilet instead. What do you see? A deuce. What do you do with that deuce? You flush it and you just move on. You don't look at it. That right there was a nice, swift, physical ass-kicking. Nice, swift ass-kicking. I added physical to it. Really impressive. Really impressive. They look like the ones to beat now. I've got a segment with the big head. James Kelly, to break down Seahawks at the Giants, and we needed after getting our faces busted up this weekend. But that'll happen because, because this gambling game is hard, dog. How you doing, head? Bleeping Patrick Mahomes, man. Three feet away from breaking even and losing some juice, and then he pulled that garbage. I can't believe that crap. I, I'd love to put it all on him, but he's not the only one. Like I said, somebody got it in their head once that that was the right thing to do, and then every talking head's like, oh, that was so brilliant. Heady play. Heady, Heady play. play. Yeah. No, bullcrap play. Bullcrap play. The refs were ass. All of it, man. All of it. Or at least, at least you're not That's pointing the, the finger game. or making excuses. That's hey, it. listen, before we get into tonight's game, I've mm-hmm. got to ask you how your weekend was. I know you went to Folsom Field and you saw that shootout between USC and Colorado. The Buffs damn near pulled it off. Mm-hmm. What was the energy like in that stadium and how'd that game treat you? So first time ever at Folsom Field and it was incredible. Hot as hell. The seats were tight, but an awesome day. And thanks to that ass of a USC defense, you said, it made the second half way better because I thought it was over at halftime, but electric, man, just electric in and in a great stadium. Great people, good fans on both sides. Everybody got along. It was, it was cool, and I was uh, with some really, really good people too, so the crew was great. All right, so I'm going to ask you about that crew. This might mm-hmm. cut into our actual pick, so keep that in mind, but okay. I was pumped that you and Logan Rome came together before the game, so you've seen him more recently than I have. You've spent more time with him recently than I have. Has he turned into a complete degenerate since leaving home, or did he show up all right? Man, that kid. Uh, he was feeling no pain. He was on about three hours sleep and ready to roll for the game, so I was proud of his ability to bounce back there it was it was really impressive so I like that part but for real and I know you cut my check so this might seem like the ultimate ball wash 
You and Dr. Jano have raised a good kid, dude. He's a great kid, nice Surreal. kid, polite, uh, genuine, just just a good guy, man, just a good kid. I really enjoyed him for about you know, 10, 15 minutes there. Dude, I appreciate you saying that. That's nice. And I, I'm not going to consider that a gonad wash. I mean, as a parent, that's all you ever want to hear what somebody says about your ch- your children. One more yeah. thing. Now, you sent uh-huh. a picture, a classic picture, which I posted on Instagram. And again, clones, if you're not following me on the gram, you're missing content like this, and you're not going to follow what we're talking about. So go there right now, follow me, and check out the picture, because... James, the clones mm-hmm. seem to be a little confused about who's in the pick. I know yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. I know my son is. Who are the two women in that picture? Yeah, two of the best people I know. The one to the right of Rogan is Cheryl Underwood. She's on the talk on CBS Daily and a legend in the comedy game with her stand-up. Um, I know you know, but uh, to give some people an idea, she's a one-of-one one in that game. She's incredible. Chris Rock once said there's two people he went follow and stand-up. One was the late Bernie Mac, and the other was Cheryl Underwood. That's her right there. She's Auntie Cheryl to my family, so she's been around forever. And the other one, wise asses, clones. That's not my daughter or someone I paid. It's my freaking wife, Heather. Comments are incredible. Like, oh, my so, God. So they're talking about this attractive gal next to James Kelly and said, who's that, his daughter or somebody he paid? Yeah, it's great. She, she, she laughed her ass off in the comments, too. Uh, how does that girl wrestle with that guy with a big forehead? It's pretty good stuff, clones. Real like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. how, how did the head pull that dime? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Cheryl, first of all, and, and you said you knew her and people were skeptical, yeah. but very clearly you do. She is a legend, man. She is awesome. She's the she, best. she is so good at what she does, man. And she works. She works. All the time. And Heather's great. And I'm glad you and Lowe's came together. Thanks for looking out for the kid. Appreciate great that. Kid. Let's get to the game really quickly now. Right. Before, you know, because either we're going to end the weekend with a win or we're going to start the weekend with a win. But we need to do something. Seahawks at Giants. What is the number? How are you playing it? The line has moved a lot this week. It's now Seattle minus two. I'll take the Hawks and lay the points here. Entering the week, the Giants rank 31st in scoring offense and 30th in points allowed. The worry is, one, they're desperate. Two, they can't play much worse than they have. And three, Seattle's defense is on par with the Giants. They're allowing 29 points a game. They're so bad that that uh, even sensitive soul known as the Red Rider BB gun lit these guys up last week yeah. in Carolina. And disappointed in him to, I mean, for the integrity of this game. There's a lot, of, a lot of kids and a yeah. lot of people that look up to him. And for him to make comments like that, they mean, he's just showing that, you know, yeah, that's acceptable to, to, to do that kind of stuff and say that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, it's disappointing for Yeah, your hair is red and so is your ass. Say something like that. <laughs> that guy yeah, with Panther like weapons threw for 361 yards, Jim, against this gum-chewing speed talkers defense. And not only can Peters D not cover anyone, they can't stop anyone in the red zone. They've allowed 100% of the teams they've faced to score touchdowns. But the good news, well, uh, for both quarterbacks, I guess, neither team can create pressure without blitzing. Khalil Mack had more sacks yesterday than both of these teams have gotten through three games. But I think Geno will take advantage of it a little bit better in the lack of pressure from the front four more than Dimes would because of the weapons he will have. You know, Mudcalf and the fellas over New York skill players. You can't arm tackle Mudcalf, so remember that, Wink Martindale. Some numbers, Dimes. He is 1-12 in straight up. 
and 0-5 at home in prime time and 5-8 and ATS. But the fast-talking gum chewer is only 42% cover as a road favorite since he took over in Seattle. But again, Gino, we're not writing you off unless you lose to these ass giants. Uh, Hawks they wrote me off. Two. I ain't right back, though. Dude, I don't know, man. You seem like you made a really good argument for both of them to lose. What about Saquon? What's his status? I doubtful right now, game time decision, but I saw doubtful as the last I saw. Seems to me, I still think Geno Smith is one of the best stories in the league. He's been mm-hmm. playing lights out. He has this season. And not only does he have two major weapons on the outside in DJ Metcalf mm-hmm. and Tyler Lockett, he's got a variety of other guys that he can and does get the ball to. I am still really big on Kenneth Walker myself. That giant defense, as you point out, has been torched in all three games. I fully expect them to continue to play like ass on that side of the ball. Meanwhile, offensively, it would be nice to know what Saquon Barkley's status is, but I don't think they have any shot without him. And the truth is, I don't really like them with him in this game either. I don't think Dimes is going to make anybody pay. You gave these numbers of him in primetime. They're not good. You know what? I'm going to take Seattle and feel relatively good about it. Seahawks minus two. So either we win together or we lose together. Hey, Seattle. You got any prop bets? You got anything else you want to add to this? Yeah, I got one. Darius Slayton of the Giants over 40 and a half yards receiving. Last season, tight ends killed Seattle's defense. They gave up the second most yards in the NFL and by far the highest average yards per catch at 14.6 yards or something like that per reception. But this season, through three games, it's a wideouts killing these guys. Only Brandon Staley's defense had given up more yards than Peter's defense to Whiteouts entering the weekend. They're giving up 255 yards per game to them. I think Peter would focus on Darren Waller as priority one, so let's go with Slayton, over 40 and a half yards receiving. You think he's like a trident guy or a dentine guy or a bubblegum, bubblegum, bubblelicious, hubba yeah, bubba? But just not original. It's one of those other colors. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like I, This is not something – it's not a good look for us. The optics are not good. But what went through your mind – because I know it was not surprise, but what went through your mind when Patrick Mahomes gently slid onto the turf three feet from us getting right kicking the stick kicking the stick over and over and over I'm talking about an h-bomb in the stick yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about a nuclear warhead in the stick that's Dude. what I'm talking about God. this game is hard enough to get it right and stuff like that when it happens it's infuriating it, it's it's tough <laughs> all right dude well Glad, glad that you saw my kid, our kid. Glad that you got to Broken Folsom low. Field. Glad that you and Cheryl hung out. Tell Cheryl I said, what up, legend? I will and, do that for sure. And the kid. The kid, he he doesn't dial me in completely as to what's going on. He lets me in to a certain extent, but he said he was very happy to see you too. Man, great kid, like I said. Really, really good kid. And I did tell him, I said, you get in trouble. You just call uh, Uncle Big Uncle Head. Head. He'll come and get you. Yep. What did he say? He said, all right, cool. I appreciate that. I hope I don't get in trouble. I said, me neither. He will, but I no, no, he will and that call's coming. I'm going to put the <laughs> – why don't, why don't we lay a line on that, the over-under on the call to Uncle Big Head. I'm going to say it's like 12 days. 12 days? Yeah. All right. Tw- yeah. 12 and a half days, yeah. All right, Head, let's make some money. Good job. Thank you very much. All right, Jim. All right, see you, dude. Good looking out. We found Bob in L.A., but then Bob got run. And here he is, my man, Matt in L.A., Hey, Matt, knowing your routine, I was a little concerned. Brother, good to hear from you. What's up? How are things? What's popping, champ? Since the days Mariner Skip Scott Service was calling into the jungle between adding a second and third coat 
of paint at a remodeling gig. He was Johnny Punch Clocking. That the Raiders actually beat the Chargers. Your boy Matt in L.A. has been down with you, pimp. And for as long as you're pimping the box, your boy Matt in L.A. will be calling because all these fanboys need your boy Matt in L.A. So I'm back by popular demand, if you will. But what's not popular right now is being Joshy Mack. I mean, this guy's supposed to be an offensive genius, and he's making Hunter Renfro disappear like Harry Houdini every week. He's not utilizing Devontae Adams right. Josh Jacobs is barely getting the right usage now as of yesterday, and we're in freaking week four. So, I mean, I just need Josh Mack to get this pirate ship back on track because this is a bunch of crap. We've been waiting for this Belichick tree that looks like the Snoopy Christmas tree that the peanut gang rolls out to blossom, and all we get is a piece of crap. So, Joshy Mack, get it together. Other than that, Romy, I'm looking forward to this Dodger run. My man Dave Roberts, the doctor, you know, he's going to bring us a championship in 2023. That piece of tin is going to mean something when we kick the Astros' ass finally in the World Series. War Ray Craig using discarded Apple Pie boxes as cell phones. War Sprinkles in Bichita using his corn chuck as a shank on the dirt roads of Kansas. Until next time, Tramp Psych Gus, R.I.P. Trapper, outro. It's like you never left. Good night now!